Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Crypto Catch-Up. I'm Pav, and with me, the lovely Ted. Hello, Pavel Levine. Wait, uh, uh, you can back. This is a public forum. You can't be doing that. No, everyone, we're now joined by Pavel Levine, and I want everyone to spam that in the comments from now on. Okay, because people actually comment on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to laugh. Wait, you can comment on Spotify, can't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, Dad. Um, how are we all doing out there? Hopefully, everyone's loving a little bit of what they're seeing in the markets. Ted, how are you feeling? Mate, good. Some big news last Friday. Some good news to wake up to. I was actually down in Sydney for the State of Origin. Bragging about it. Yeah, I uh, I was in the box. You know, um, <laughs> you know, kind of a big dog over here. <laughs> uh, no, so I was down in Sydney, and yeah, woke up on Friday morning to this, you know, push notification from I think Coin Market Cap saying. Yep. Breaking news, XRP, not a security. The court deemed that the lawsuit has finally come to an end, the one between the SEC and Ripple that we've been speaking about. So I was frantically trying to, you know, get to work, see what the news is, look at my portfolio, maybe sell a bit of XRP for profit. It was a hectic morning. Yep. A lot happening. A lot happening. Look, I think it was finally some really bullish news for the crypto industry. Like we've just had the yeah. the BlackRock ETF application, which I thought was going to take over as the next big kicker for the market. But um, this kind of came out of nowhere. Yep. I know we've been speaking about it. In, there's been lots of whispers, right? There's been lots of whispers, but every time someone says like, oh, it's coming this week, it never came. It's been so, for the last four years. Exactly. Yeah. And then people yeah. just stopped, you know, predicting when it was going to come to an end and then bang, out of nowhere, here we are. I think XRP shot up 75% yep. after the decision came. Yep. Yeah. What are you saying? Mate, yeah, it was great. I think there's been a lot of catalysts lately, but price ain't budging for, I guess, some of the bigger players in the markets. But yeah, like anything that was bungled in with XRP and the whole SEC investigations recently, you had Matic, you had Solana, you had Cardano, a fair few other ones too. I'm not going to remember right off the top of my head, but they were all up anywhere from the range of 30 to 40% at the same time XRP was moving as well. So, I mean, what that sort of tells you is the user, I guess the community sentiment towards, you know, should we worried about our long-term investments? Well, now it kind of seems like the cracks are starting to show for the SEC and whatever case they had against Ripple Labs to begin with. So, I know, mate, you're probably the best person to speak to about this one. What can you sort of say about the actual outcome? Look, it's uh, it's a bit of a confusing one. It's not like a, a very you know black and white decision where Ripple wins the case and SEC loses. It's actually considered a partial win for Ripple. So why it's considered a partial win is because in most cases, the court found that XRP was not deemed a security. Yep. But there was one thing where I think Ripple were issuing XRP to sophisticated investors and the courts did deem that this was in that case an unregistered security. So it's all a bit confusing, to be honest. There's a lot of court nuance and jargon that, that goes into it yep. that I'm not super across. But from what I can gather, it's a major win for the XRP army. It's probably likely that the SEC will appeal the decision, yep. particularly as they got that minor win there. They might use that as like, well, if this is deemed to be uh, security in this case, why is it not in the other cases where it was not? So from that perspective, I think the SEC does have a leg to stand on when it comes yep. to appealing the decision, which is unfortunate, but that's kind of just how these things go. So I think once we get the final outcome from when they do appeal, if they do appeal, we'll see like a lot of volatility off the back of that again. I think I'm not sure if we'll see any major volatility until we see another sort of outcome in the court. Obviously, we had the the 75% pump. Yeah. I think it's kind of cooled off a little bit. So I'm going to wait to see that decision. 
I think of the SEC come out victorious in that, well, you know, vice versa. You can yep, probably sure. understand where the price is going. So, yeah, an interesting one to watch, but I guess it's great because this decision sets precedence for those other core cases that you were mentioning where the SEC's taken action against Binance. Slapping everyone. Slapping everyone. Coinbase essentially going after the exchanges for listing unregistered securities rather than the, the crypto projects themselves. And Coinbase did straight after that sort of announcement relist for trading XRP as well. Their chief legal officer came out on Twitter and put a bit of a statement on that they were happy with the, yeah, the, the outcome. Yeah, the outcome. Yeah, well said. Well said. <laughs> digging deep here. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, obviously it, each case is different. Yeah. These crypto projects are not all the same as XRP and they all operate a little bit differently. <laughs> so it's not a guaranteed win for Binance and Coinbase saying like these are not securities because XRP is not a security. But at the same time, it provides a lot of hope. And if I'm not mistaken, like, in courts, in law, they often refer to previous court cases of a similar nature to kind of try and understand how they should be making a decision on the current case. So I think they will refer back to this long-standing case with Ripple. Yeah, nice. What might have got missed in the news just because of, I mean, that big kicker. We always love to talk about macro. I don't know, you were joking with me before this about the whole macro scene. If for anyone not watching video, I'm rolling my eyes right yeah. now. <laughs> But, I mean, I just want to say we got a CPI that was under expectations in the US. I think that is a big contributor to why we probably did get the pump that we did see because yeah. the economic conditions seem to be at least flatlining. To bring back an old COVID term, we're flattening the curve for inflation. That might have given some people shudders. I gave myself a shudder. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the overall commitment for price to go higher and stay higher, we haven't seen it yet. So, I mean, everyone saw Bitcoin have a bit of a run on Thursday into Friday, came back down as well. So we're sitting back in like the 30s, just diddling away with price at the moment. So the next big one everyone should have their calendars marked for is the 27th next week, uh, interest rate meeting. So now that we've had good jobs data, we've had good inflation prints, we should hopefully see some more hopefully neutral or positive remarks from the old treasury, the old Fed treasury in the US. So if that does happen, I think that could be what sets off the next kickoff to the upside. Yep. It's going to put my foot down on that one. Alternately, like we might this week leading up to that news either see a sell-off or we might even see some altcoins just shoot for the stars for the next few days. Okay. So by the time this podcast sort of airs, we might know what happens. But just when Bitcoin historically has gone sideways and the markets have sort of slowed down in terms of the higher caps moving, we do sort of see that trickle down into lower caps. However, everyone should know by now, if usually on sustained moves, you want to make sure you're taking profits, knowing what your risk is, et cetera, et cetera. So All's to say is it's not all over. It all seems like it's all sort of just gearing up and getting started if we do sort of see all that take off. But I would be, yeah, staring at some charts for the next couple of nights, I think, trying to look for some profitunities. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Here you go. If I don't have much time on my hands, which, you know, a lot of people don't, they have full-time jobs, don't have time to, you know, look at the charts, look, you know, what the interest rates and inflation is doing in the US, how do I kind of gauge that situation? Because like, I think that, you know, crypto is going to have mm. a lot of longevity and do well in the long term. Yep. Do I care about the short term macro environment and how that's going to cause small sort of changes in prices in crypto? Like, how would you approach that situation or someone in that sort of situation? It's, everyone's got their own investing strategy. So I know, for example, like anyone who's seen like altcoins pump, they do anywhere from 20 to 200%, mm. but it's all risks. Like it's usually the more risk you take on the higher the pump. So 
that's what I'm talking about when we're talking about the higher caps rolling into lower caps. And yeah, they're not for the faint-hearted. They're not for the people that just want to pay attention every now and then. It is for the more frequent yeah. travelers, I would say. Yeah, I mean, just know what your goal is. Like if you're caring about the 20, you know, likely what will be like the top of the cycle in 24, 25, then aim for that. Don't yeah. aim for this sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, those people that like a bit of rubber on the road, everything's kind of setting up to be probably some of the best playing conditions we've seen for on-risk assets. And yeah, in the US as well, there's earnings season for, I think, 10% of the S&P companies as well. So some big ones, Microsoft from the top of my head, Goldman Sachs, Tesla, they're all going to come out with earnings data as well. So, I mean, if the overall sentiment is that everyone's performing as expected or better than expected, which is what we saw last earnings season as well from the US sector, that stuff matters for an on-risk industry like crypto, unfortunately, like it, yeah. you're in the thick of the weeds, but I mean, that's why you just listen to podcasts like this and you know, we kind of do the research for you. Yeah, absolutely. So keep listening in each week yeah. and uh, yeah, get your news from us. Yeah. So all around, would you say pretty, pretty positive signs for the markets? It's probably one of the best, best sort of backdrops we've had after a little while, but I would say that with cautionary optimistic, like as always, like it can only take some fun at Binance or something like that to just send everything sort of hurling down again. Like I'm not saying that's going to happen. I know that's been in the news a little bit, but I mean, anything that is a non-risk sort of industry like crypto, yeah, it sometimes can be just teetering on the edge whenever there is a little bit of weakness. So everything I've always said, you know, it's take it with a grain of salt, but yeah. Seems Absolutely. to be trekking in a more positive direction than I guess what we have been for most of this year, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So I'll tell you why I don't really take much notice of the macro environment. Like I, yeah. I like to listen to you and, and have a decent understanding of what's going on. But my sort of approach is I want to find crypto projects, like really solid crypto projects with a lot of adoption, big ecosystems, you know, strong developer activity, community and stuff like that. And really hone in on mm. where I'm going in the next couple of years. Yep. So I'm not too worried on like how the interest rates are going to turn out in the US and how they're going to affect these projects that I've really got my eye on. I'm looking mm. like a couple of years time, where do I see these projects going? How much profit do I want to take? And you got to be a bit conservative with these things because- So how, how would you get in? Would you say, well, you've just got like a dollar cost averaging plan that you're following? Or? Yeah. So I'd say the blue chips, Bitcoin and Ethereum, yep. I'm dollar cost averaging in, into them. We all know they're not going anywhere. Like Ethereum does have scalability issues, but let's be honest, it's so dominant in the layer one smart contract DAF space. So it's not going anywhere. Yep. But the way I'm sort of looking at it is like what trends are, are playing out. Mm. I think what I just discussed then is Ethereum scalability is becoming a, a pretty large issue. Yeah, it's a good trend. Yeah. So what projects are looking to sort of resolve that issue. And so I'm looking at layer ones that are competing. Yeah. Like layer ones that might have sort of different tech that looks at resolving that scalability issue or layer twos as well. Yeah. Cool. So I'm trying to really hone in on a couple of those, understand which ones are, you know, have the best teams, the best communities, you know, the strongest tech and really try and ride that wave up. Mm -hmm. Look, it's not guaranteed. And like you said, there could be a black swan event that could bring the whole market down. If, when you have a long-term outlook like that, exactly. that doesn't really change too much. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And like, yeah, I guess the strategy then is to dollar cost average again. So not just put all your eggs in one basket. Don't yep. put all your, your house on this one crypto on one trade because who knows what could happen tomorrow. Yep. That team could be hit by us. So it's these sorts of situations that you need to spread your risk out. Mm. No, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So sorry, I uh, went on a bit there. I kind of wanted to explain a different approach to, to trading because I know the macro approach is super important, yeah. but just for me personally, I don't worry about it too much. Yeah, nice. 
But Pav, let's get into the the top movers, shall we? We shall. So we got um, no surprises. XRP absolutely ripping. It's even right now fifty four percent in the last seven days. Yeah, likely to see some strength and volatility in that. If the markets show any positivity again, I think isn't a bad shout. Some Solana, mate. Hey, we picked it last we week. Picked it like a nostril. We actually moved the market. I think we might have. I don't think there was any other news that could have impacted the the price performance of Solana. You just wanted people to pump your bags. Yeah. Yeah, I know how strong the Tabby the Crypto community is, and, and you guys really came through for us. <laughs> yeah. No, look, we discussed Solana last week. It was a bit of lucky timing. Like, I'm looking at Solana from a, a long-term perspective. Yeah. The reason why Solana has done so well in the last week, I think it's up like close to 30%. Yeah, it's about that. Yeah, maybe come down about a little bit. About 170% for the year to date. Yeah, mate, that's huge. That's huge. But yeah, so Solana was roped in as part of that lawsuit against Binance and Coinbase as being an unregistered security. Yeah. And so the XRP news provided hope to a lot of investors that like, oh, if XRP is not security, then maybe these other ones aren't securities. Sure. We discussed that before. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, super positive news all around. I still, I'm not backing Solana for that reason. I'm backing Solana because I believe it has one of the strongest ecosystems and communities as a layer one, yep. as an alternative to Ethereum. Yeah, so, I'll back that. That's oh, good, mate. Yeah. But other of layer twos. Yeah, a couple of layer twos. There's definitely a theme in the top movers this week. So yeah, we're seeing infrastructure tokens, which historically, if we look at even just the start of this year, they basically started when price was sort of swelling and moving to the upside. They were the ones moving the fastest and moving first. So I've got Optimism showing up in the top movers again, and we've got Arbitrum, one of the newer layer twos that are joining the fray. So they're both up as well to the tune of 20 to 15%. So that's good to yeah. see as well in the last week. So those two are the two biggest layer twos by total value locked. And I think as well by like daily transaction volume as well. Yep. So I think Arbitrum even took over Ethereum when it came to daily transactions. I think it's dropped down a little bit now, but it just goes to show you that yep. these layer twos, they look to resolve the scalability issue on Ethereum and people are starting to really adopt them. And the activity shows that they're getting a lot of action. Yep. Absolutely. Through transactions. So good to see. Very good to see. Some other movers, we've got a bit of a DeFi flavor. I've got synthetics up 30% this week, Compound as well, almost 30%. So interesting one to watch there, I think. I've got some news a bit later that might help explain why that could be up. Mm -hmm. And we've got Stellar Lumens as well, which is up 30% as well. So historically, Stellar and XRP, uh, they have moved with a pretty tight correlation. So whether or not there's something else behind that one, uh, not sure. But if you look at the past, we have seen Stellar run in a very similar time that XRP has as well. So good to see you there. Yeah, awesome. But um, mate, like I said, something that might help explain why assets like synthetics and something like Compound are moving at the moment, Chainlink. I haven't heard of Chainlink in a while. Yeah, it's, it's kind of been out chilling on the side and- uh, Quite possibly the most boring asset for the last yeah. six years. It's done nothing, is what everyone will tell you that's invested in it. Yeah. But they've essentially taken a pretty novel approach to, I guess, building upon their project. So they're targeting, I guess, which is the flavor right now, TradFi. TradFi, traditional finance. Traditional finance. But not just that, they're also solving problems that currently exist on crypto networks today. So they basically launched their CCIP, which is a cross-chain interoperability protocol, and the goal of that is to basically support all of the different networks, Avalanche, Ethereum, Optimism, Polygon, and connect them all together, I guess, to help unify the DeFi protocols just a bit cleaner and yep. a bit more safer. They've also adopted DeFi lending protocols with Aave and Synthetics. So that could be a leading reason why these sort of protocols are moving because all of a sudden the, you know, the TVL and the lending rates and all that might be interoperable. 
So I haven't read too much into like the specifics of what this all means, but it just essentially does allude to that, you know, DeFi might not be so siloed as we're used to. Like, yeah. you know, this Aave is on this network, this Aave is on that network. It could be something where you could potentially look for the best rate across a range of networks and do your lending and borrowing in the DeFi space that way as well. So bit of an infrastructure benefit, bit of an upgrade, but they're also working with the Swift Group, the payment provider that's mm-hmm. global, to look at ways to... I guess, run blockchain infrastructure to benefit what they do. It is, you know, something that obviously could have some pretty extreme benefits from a cost and security angle as well. So that's good. And they're also starting to work with, again, people like BNY Mellon, Citigroup, BNP, Parabens. I mean, just all of this and sort of tandem with the BlackRock news, it kind of feels like the next wave of adoption yeah. uh, is sort of brewing. So big news all around for Chainlink. It is. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, if it was XRP... It might have gone up 170%, but, you know, Chainlink's up about 16%, so that's yeah. about right for I it. mean, Chainlink's, it's humble, isn't it? Very humble. It just kind of works in the background. It, it yeah. does a great job at what it's meant to do, but it's not the most exciting project. Yeah. It's essentially, you know, it pulls in real-life data Correct. from the real world and, yeah. and gives it to the smart contracts like yeah. on Ethereum and other yeah. other layer ones. So, yeah, people who don't know much about Chainlink, it is what we call an oracle. So you have, like, let's say a smart contract which says, Tedos have five bucks worth of Bitcoin. That's always reading in the data of what's the price of Bitcoin today and providing yeah. it to the smart contract so yeah. it can have a value. So that's basically what it does. It just helps almost like an API yeah, um, yeah. tell the smart contract what's going on. I mean, it could be any information. It could be, you know, the temperature in Brisbane today. Yeah. So it pulls in that and makes sure it delivers it accurately to the smart contracts. Yeah. And that allows the smart contracts to accurately execute without having someone person there to execute them, making them smart contracts. Hey, there you go. So um, <laughs> we got there at the end. <laughs> yeah, so a bit of a dive there, but I mean, that just might explain why, why we're seeing, I guess, this bit of a DeFi theme, which, you know, it's nice when you can kind of half try and unpack what's going on in the markets. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Look, I know we've kind of beaten this whole BlackRock ETF story the last few weeks. <laughs> But there's a new development here. So for a bit of background for anyone that doesn't know or maybe you haven't listened, start listening every week because you don't want to miss this stuff. So the BlackRock applied for a Bitcoin spot ETF. Uh, It was filed nearly a month ago and that just like caused a wave of optimism within the market. Like I said before, I thought that was going to be the kicker for the next sort of kick up or run up before this XRP news happened. So I guess if the BlackRock ETF does get approved, yep. we get doubled. However, so they applied for it a, a month ago and the SEC came back to them and said the ETF application was lacking. So BlackRock essentially had to go back and revise it. Mm-hmm. They've now revised it, sent it back, and the SEC have formally accepted the ETF for review. Yep. So that means they're going to be seriously reviewing it. I was actually listening to Raul Powell. He was on a podcast last week. He actually came on our podcast. If you want to go back and listen to it, he's he's awesome. He's a CEO of Real Vision and, and a real gun in the crypto space. It's his hypothesis that Gary Gensler has been getting a lot of heat from the politicians. Yeah. Basically because he's been going after all these cryptocurrencies and the politicians are like saying, look, we need something here. Yep. He's in the past actually stated that Bitcoin is not a security. So mm. Bitcoin's safe from any of that sort yeah. of legal drama. Yeah. So- it was Raoul Powell's hypothesis that basically the SEC have gone to BlackRock and be like, look, we need some good news to re- that reflects positively on us that relates to crypto. Apply for this ETF application. Seriously what he said. Yeah. Apply for this ETF application. That's and, you know, We've got nothing in the back end or nothing that we've said in the past that would allow us to deny it. So we can say, look, it's all good. Bitcoin's good to go. 
we've approved this ETF application, you know, everyone's happy and basically it reflects positively on them, especially in times where they're getting a lot of heat. So that's his theory. Uh, look, we don't know if that's true or not. It's fun to talk about. It's a fun one. <laughs> uh, but hey, if it gets approved, uh, it's going to be probably the most bullish news we've had for, yeah. for at least the last it's 18 months. It's too. Like every other country will add one. Like yes. Yeah. Europe's pretty close to getting theirs approved too. And I don't know. In Australia, Monochrome, they've applied for an yep. ETF here as well. So it's all the rage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It is. Mate, I think that's, uh, I think we've done a good job. I think that's everything. We've got some at the XRP news covered. We've got something for everyone. Yeah, man. I think we, we'll leave it there. Some, uh, some really juicy news. Mum will be proud of that one, I think. My mum won't be. <laughs> but look, uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed. We'll uh, catch you next week. Cheers. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.